What is up? Thanks for tuning in to the Messy Reformation. My name is Jason Rice, and I am the lead pastor at Faith Community CRC in Beaverdam, Wisconsin. My co-host is Willie Cronkey. He's a member, youth leader, and a worship leader at Pease CRC in Pease, Minnesota. We started this podcast for one very particular reason. We love the Christian Reformed Church, and we want to see Reformation happen in our denomination. But we also know that any time Reformation has ever happened in the history of the church, it's been very, very messy. So what we're doing is taking the time to have conversations with pastors throughout the CRC to find out what's going on in our denomination, and also to talk about what Reformation might look like. You know, if you're not a member of the CRC, we'd love for you to stick around anyway, because the, the truth is many denominations throughout North America are having the same struggles that we are, and the conversations we have here will definitely apply beyond our own denomination. If you haven't already, please take a moment to click subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming content. We're hoping to drop episodes every Monday. And if you like what you're hearing, Take a moment to leave a positive review on iTunes or Google Podcast or Spotify or wherever you're listening to this because that helps spread the word about what we're doing. With all that said, we're going to get to this week's show, which is part two of our interview with Derek Bukema. Before we dive into part two of our conversation with Derek, I want to share a clip from the conversation we had prior to recording the episode, where Derek had some great advice for churches who are tempted to rush into calling their next pastor. It takes a mighty fine pastor to be better than no pastor in a church, frankly, Mm -hmm. because a, a mediocre or a bad pastor is way worse than no pastor in a congregation. And uh, and that that I mean that's one of the challenges of so many churches is that you can decline you can like trace the decline that they experienced to the day that this new pastor arrived and the the search committee and the elders and the congregation just did not do their due diligence and they didn't ask for straightforward answers about you know really central and important things mm-hmm. and uh, or or they didn't realize that the weaselly kind of responses indicated something else. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, yeah. You know, like, well, I believe that the Bible is, is a profoundly human book. Uh, <laughs> you know, what somebody could say and somebody hears it on the search committee and they're like, Oh, I like how gritty he believes the Bible is. And it's like, he's denying inspiration. Yeah. And, uh, and they're like, Oh no, no, no. I can't imagine a pastor in the CRC would do that. And it's like, well, yeah, yeah, that's what that yeah. person And you get yelled at for pointing those things out. I got yelled at at our previous church when we were interviewing pastors. And I'm like, no, he said this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, literally, word for word, this is what he said. Well, you're taking it out of context. I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, so, uh, I mean, like, part of what's crazy is that there, I mean, there's just a substantial trust for the institutions of the Christian Reformed Church. And if the mm-hmm. institutions have said that this person is okay, then it's impossible for somebody to conceive that this person might not be okay. And, yeah, wow. uh, and a lot of times we've just vested our trust in, you know, in Grand Rapids or in another in entity to do the vetting. 
And we don't want to do the hard work of that because it really is hard work. And it's really difficult to say, you know, this isn't the right person, or it's really hard to ask questions like, hey, give us just a clear, give us a clear picture of what your understanding is of marriage or something like that. Yep. Uh, it's hard to do that. And, and also, I think people assume that if they're going to see something evil, it's going to come and look really evil. It's going to be like a Disney cartoon. It's going to be like Maleficent. Like sure. if it's if this person doesn't look like Maleficent on um, Sleeping Beauty, you can tell the kind of movies I watch with my daughters right now. Yep. <laughs> this is where the illustrations are coming from. Uh, then this must be a fine person because they don't they speak softly. They seem really really sweet and really nice. Uh, and it's it's hard to be like, yeah. Uh, the devil comes as an angel of light. Like if the devil comes to your congregation, he's not going to come as, as a Disney villain. He's going to come as everything your church has desired. It's going to come yeah. as like an, looking like an angel from heaven. Now to part two of our interview with Derek Bukema. My guess is that your average, uh, your average elder in the Christian Reformed church, uh, in the, I, I guess maybe 1920s, uh, who never went to high school, right? Like went to went to farming right after eighth grade or mm -hmm. carpentry right after eighth grade or concrete right after eighth grade, right? Uh, your average elder that was functioning in a church that sort of way knew the scripture and the confessions better at that point than your average minister who's entering into like Christian reform ministry today. And, um, and some of that is borne out just through some of the examinations that I have witnessed. And some of them, some of it's borne out in just knowing myself and reading stuff that comes from elders who didn't have a high school education in the 1920s and being like, this person like knew Kelvin better than I know Kelvin. And I love Kelvin. I love to read Kelvin. Like, what is my deal here? Like, I guess, I guess I've, I don't know watch too much star wars or something like that because <laughs> i uh, i should have i should have spent more time like reading the confessions because i'm put to shame by this by this uh this person who um who didn't have a high school education you know 100 years ago and then um and then you just think about the confessions were written as teaching tools for children in an illiterate age and to realize that, like, now there are people who are like, don't talk about the confessions. It's just too complicated. It's too difficult. It's too hard to understand. And, uh, and sometimes you'll have pastors that say that sort of thing, right? And so I think, that, I think that as you've had a waning biblical and confessional illiteracy, and you have had a diminishing passion for the gospel, I think that you have decline. You have death that comes as a result of that. And I think that, um, I think that part of the challenge, too, is that this is just my read on the historical situation that the Christian Reformed Church obviously has existed as a Dutch denomination for a long time. And I think that it rightly started to realize, hey, it's not so good if we're defined by our Dutchness and maybe the 60s and 70s, the series started realizing that. But I think that in many places, in an effort to try to be less Dutch and then to therefore be broader, there had been such a connection between being Dutch and being Reformed that moving away from being Reformed was the way that people and churches tried to be less Dutch. And I think that it actually calcified a Dutch cultural identity rather than a confessional identity. Hmm. I think that as the Christian Reformed Church has less intentionally had a confessional identity, I think that has also led to death. Because, I mean, we're, 
the Christian Reformed Church is not the hippest church. So if you're looking for a place where stuff is happening and interesting, it's not going to be the CRC. But if you're looking for a place that has like excellent, thoughtful doctrine uh, and is characterized by that, then, you know, the Christian Reformed Church is probably a place where you should, you know, keep checking out. So I yeah, think that, yeah. I think that as we've as we've tried to be less Dutch, I think that many places have moved away from having a confessional identity, and and I think that that has had uh, the opposite effect that people assumed it would have. I think more people have left because people have been like, "Why are we even here? Like, what's even the point of this place?" Or it's calcified a Dutch identity, and so people have not joined that sort of place because it's like, "How do I? I don't even know how I break in." Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. I think. I've, I've, we've had that conversation uh, before that it's been interesting as I think the CRC, it, it seemed like you're right there. They connected reformed identity with the Dutch identity. And so there's been this slow, uh, uh, just making the lines fuzzy. I would say becoming more, somebody would say broader, broadly evangelical going on in the CRC. We just, we don't want to be distinctly reformed. We want to kind of just be like everyone else. And a lot of the people I've talked to who have embraced that have done so thinking that that's how we're going to help save our denomination. Yeah. That, that we're, we're pushing people away because we're distinctively reformed. And if we just kind of hold to a, yeah, we kind of believe a little bit of everything, then we'll, it's a wider tent. We'll let more people in, and uh, and that'll help kind of get our numbers back up. Yeah. And yet what has actually happened is uh, we've not discipled anybody and we've had uh, we, we've kind of just created this fluff where people go, well, I could get that same thing over here. I could get that same thing over here. What's the purpose of this denomination? Why are we even here? And we've it's actually again, um, this has come up in a lot of my interviews with other pastors, the very thing that we've been trying to do to save the denomination has actually resulted in us putting more nails in the coffin. Yeah. Yeah. And and then there there was, I I forget which Puritan it was. I, so forgive me. I, I should have, I should have done some more research, but I think that there was, I think there was a Puritan that was talking about the church of England saying that the churches are dying because they're pastored by dead men. And I think Mm -hmm. that, I think that that is, that's part of it also that churches are calling pastors who are are not spiritually uh don't have a great deal of spiritual vitality and and i think that um you know i'm not just trying to say like out there i'm trying to point the finger at myself right to be like hey if if in my ministry i've got to i have to go deeper into the things of christ and i have to be more have more spiritual vitality as i lead my congregation. But if, if a congregation calls somebody who is spiritually dead, that congregation is not going to be spiritually alive through the bringing on of, of a spiritually dead minister. Yeah. Amen. I, I've said that repeatedly that the only reason, you know, cause I've talked to a number of people as well that want to downplay doctrine, downplay the confessions. And they say, well, it's just boring. It steals life from you. It's you know, and I said, the only reason you believe that is because the people who taught you, it didn't actually love what they were teaching. Yeah, that's right. They, that's right. They didn't love the gospel. They didn't love the Bible. They didn't love the confessions. And if, if someone who really loves what they're teaching is teaching you, it, you your heart gets inflamed as well. And that's so true. We, um, and uh, we've talked about this before, too, that it seemed like one generation taught scripture and the confessions because they loved it. 
the next generation just taught it because that was what you do and we have to do. And then the next generation said, well, that was dumb. Yeah. And they stopped doing it. Yeah. And I just, I remember having a professor at Wheaton in the grad school, Wheaton, Doug Moo, and he, and he was talking about how he's like, when your congregants come into church some days, like they're not going to come in thinking, I need to hear a sermon that reminds me I'm justified today. And, uh, and, and then he said they, what they're going to come into church thinking is I want a church that tells me I'm, I'm, I'm okay today so that I can walk out feeling better about myself. Mm-hmm. And he goes, but what they need is not to be told that they're okay. They need to be told that they're justified. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, that is a really good point. And uh, the thing is, is that you have to understand you have to understand a lot about the Bible theology to, to, to grow, go deeper in that whole talk about justification. And uh, it's way easier to just preach a sermon. That's like, I'm okay. You're okay. Everybody's okay. Just don't worry about it. And then it's like, okay, I feel great. Um, why do I have to go to church again? I mean, other places can tell me I'm okay. But if you're, if you're in a church, that's like, let me tell you some doctrine. The God man shed his blood for you to cover all your sins. And then, tore death asunder as he rose again on the third day, placing his robes of righteousness on you. And so you're not okay. You are viewed by the father as if you were as perfectly righteous as Jesus was on your behalf, not because of anything that you've done, but because Jesus died and rose again from the dead for you. It's like, okay, yeah, yeah, that is something I need to be reminded of every week. That doctrine is pretty good. Yeah, (laughs) amen. Yeah, and and so many people will hear that and they'll go, yeah, 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 I know all of that. I don't need to be reminded of that. I got that. Just teach teach me how to go to work tomorrow. Like, what do I need to do at work to be a good person? Yeah, you know, we're in as we're recording this, we've just we've just finished the first Sunday of Advent and uh, Advent is this wonderful time for us to prepare our hearts for Jesus and one of the things that is striking me in this time of preparation is what what do we expect when we when Jesus comes like do cuz that's going to that's going to kind of change the way that we ex, that we kind of like direct our own hearts. And if we like if we feel like we just need more money then then we don't need Jesus to come, we need I don't know we need, we need a financial advisor to come. And, uh, and if we just feel like we need a little bit more information, then we need a professor to come, not Jesus to come. But if we realize if, if like, if our heart is crying out, like have mercy on me, a sinner, and we realize our, our sin and our need and our guilt, then, uh, then we're in the place to receive the arrival of a savior. And that's what Jesus is. And, there's doctrine that goes in all of that, but what's sad is when churches capitulate to felt needs, right? Like, I need more resources, I need more family tips, I need tips on how to, I don't know, date more effectively, I need to figure out how to have better sex or whatever, and and miss out. Like, Jesus has come to be a savior, not to be not to be a guru or a professor or a financial advisor. And if our churches aren't helping us, like cultivate this sort of heart that cries out for a savior, then we're really, we're really missing the point. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah. It's actually one of the, the pushing back against some of the uh, focusing only on uh, felt needs is one of the reasons I think expositional preaching is such a big deal. Preaching through a book of the Bible 
Yeah, man. And uh, it's funny how many, I was really surprised that uh, when I came to this church, I had asked them, um, did your previous pastors preach through books of the Bible? I mean, you can preach expositionally and not through books of the Bible, but yeah. And they said, no, I don't know if they had ever had a pastor who had preached through a book of the Bible or did it regularly. And I said, okay, well, that's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And they're like, okay, well, we'll give it. A, they were kind of leery about it. They weren't sure if they were going to like it. And all of a sudden they've all, they've given, it's been just really cool to watch our church go, this is really good. Whoa. Awesome. Who would have known that um, I, I've been preaching through the book of Ecclesiastes through uh, since. Oh my goodness. For a long time. Anyways, I just finished it. And everybody's like, who knew that Ecclesiastes had so much to say to us in the middle of a pandemic? This right. is really relevant. And it's uh, so good. It's awesome to help people see that. Yeah, we have needs that we don't even know. And, yeah. and we can go through scripture just in a systematic way. And it says, no, you think you need this, but actually what you need to know is this. Yes. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So one of the final questions that we, we ask every, uh, every pastor on, on this show is why do you think the CRC is worth rescuing? And we're assuming that you think it's worth rescuing, but I was going to say, you're assuming a lot in that question. James. I am. Um, but I, um, if you don't think it's worth rescuing, feel free to say so. Yeah. Um, so this is what I think. I think that some of it depends on what it, what you mean by the CRC. If you mean like, if, if rescuing the CRC means returning to this time where, uh, you know, ministry shares were fully funded and, uh, and denominational bureaucracy was ever growing, then I don't think there's any particular need to try to, to try to save that or restore that. Um, but I don't think that that's what CRC means. And I think it must not mean that. I mean, if the Christian reformed church means the, the membership of all of those who, you know, who belong to Christian reformed churches, then how could you say that any group of souls is not worth, uh, experiencing renewal or revitalization? Of course, of course, there has to be some sort of saving. And, and so I think the Christian reformed church certainly most certainly needs to experience a kind of a kind of abiding renewal, one that um, one that really intentionally brings Christ back to the central place, and and that's got to happen. It's got to happen in a denominational sense, right? There's got to be a real sense among those who are employed by the denomination that they are called to help people treasure the Lord Jesus, and and if they have any sort of other any other goal, it's just like, don't serve in a denominational capacity. If like, if your hope is for us to be, I don't know, hipper or more liberal or more culturally relevant or more intelligent or, 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 or more anything else. Right. I mean, if it's not to help the denomination treasure Jesus, just get out of denominational ministry and, uh, and start your own not-for-profit and it might be, it might be fine. And I might support that, but this is not, I mean, this is not the the role of broader denominational ministry to do anything else than help the churches treasure Jesus in a whole host of different ways. I think that, um, I think that every, I think that for there to be renewal, I think individual congregants have to be willing to step up and do the hard work of really evaluating and examining and having high standards for the ministers that you call to fill your pulpit. 
if you want a minister to come and fill your pulpit, he's got to be a, a faithful, grounded Christian that will give you Jesus. And he has to believe everything the scriptures believe. I mean, the, the parts that are uh, culturally palatable, palatable and the, cult, the parts that are culturally intolerable, that your minister has to believe and love those things. Amen. And um, and so for any member of a Christian Reformed church that's listening to this, you need to do the hard work to make sure that your that your office bearers and that your pastors are really really believe the Bible and really want to teach the Bible and really want to hold the church to the Bible. And then like ministers in the CRC have to uh, must be born again. And uh, mm-hmm. and there are, I mean I think that there are. A number of ministers in the Christian Reformed Church that have lost their first love, and you need to, um, man, you need to remember the love that you had at the beginning, and uh, and repent for the the fact that it's grown cold in your own heart. You need to you need to return to to the love of Christ Jesus, and then continue to do ministry in that sort of vein, and stop messing with any other foolishness, and instead do. Jesus ministry. And there are some pastors in the Christian Reformed Church that are, are that are unconverted and they need to repent and believe the gospel or they need to admit, you know, like what I want to do is is really like political activism. So we'll stop being a pastor and start being a start being a politician and run for office. Mm-hmm. Um you know, just just get out, just get out of the pulpit with that. And um so that's a whole host of different that's a whole host of different stuff. But I think, of course, the Christian Reformed Church needs to needs a restoration um, because there are, there are two hundred thousand souls here, and mm-hmm. um, that's enough to give account for. Yeah, yeah, we're going to give account for each one of these souls. That's a it's a heavy burden that uh, that weighs on my heart as a pastor. For especially the, I mean, particularly the my own flock. I know I'll be hold held accountable by them. But but uh, but even at, when I think about one of the, it's a high standard that you place and and I place on myself as well to not only just do the job, but to to, to be passionate and, and have a fire and a love for Christ as we do that. Cause you can, we all know that you can go through the motions as a pastor. You can kind of do your pastoral thing. You can preach a sermon here, um, but not be um, not have that fire in your belly. I think, I think the Puritans, I don't know, they said stuff like that all the time. You have a fire in your belly uh, when you preach. And uh, but but we're going to be held accountable by that as well. And, uh, and you're right. The proper response, Jesus told the, the church in, in revelation, the proper response to a lack of passion and zeal for him is to repent, repent, look to him, seek forgiveness in him, rest in his salvation, and then ask the spirit to give you power and strength to do the work that he's called you to do. And uh, I think that is long-term. If we're looking at long game restoration, long game reformation, is uh, that message that you've been saying over and over again is we need to have people who are passionate about the gospel and Jesus Christ. And we need to have people who know God's word as well. And so that doesn't happen overnight. We, they kind of walk hand in hand. And so pastors need to start off being passionate about the word of God and uh, passionate about the gospel and, and teaching the word of God and pointing people to Christ over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. Um, 
One more quick question would be, so that's long-term strategy for reformation. What do you think short-term strategy is for, um, in particular, talking to pastors now in the Christian Reformed Church? What do we need to do um, leading up to this next synod to make sure that we're uh, staying on the right track? Um, well, um, I mean, synod 2021 is going to be a really important synod. So, I mean, individual congregations need to make sure that they're um, that they're reading the report that just came out on human sexuality, that they understand what it is the Bible says about all this, that they are, uh, that they're sending Orthodox and faithful people to synod and that they're holding denominational employees to account for all of this. Well, guys, that's all we have for this week. Stay tuned next week when we go north of the border and we interview Peter Rockhold from Red Deer, Alberta. Until then, don't forget that this is Christ's church and he bought the church with his own blood. He also warned us that wolves would come in attempting to destroy his flock. So keep a close watch on your life and your doctrine. Preach the word in season and out of season and keep fighting the good fight in this messy reformation. 